Hi everybody, welcome back to Talk Soups and CEOs. Doug Roberts, uh, IEI CEO and founder here again. I'm actually coming to you from the road, from hashtag IEI Fall 19 Road Tour. It's been it's been a, a pretty interesting fall this week. I'm actually at the Virginia Association of School Superintendents and then at the Council of Great City Schools. I'm right between those two events now, hanging out in D.C. and headed to Louisville for the Council of Great City Schools tomorrow morning. Had a great time down in Charlottesville. Um, this is uh, Tuesday, October 22nd. Not sure when you're listening to us, but that's when I'm recording this. And um, great time in Charlottesville, great town, met some really great superintendents, also met, met some companies we, we haven't met before who I think are doing really innovative things and look forward to hopefully some of them joining us. The, the thing I'm finding as I, as I travel around, as I talk to people, superintendents are worried about social-emotional learning, they're worried about mental health issues, they're trying to engage on these issues, they're trying to find good solutions for it, and it's, a, it's such a new and burgeoning marketplace. You have all these uh, entrepreneurs who've entered the space and are trying to help out, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty exciting to see the, the, the confluence of, of ideas turn into products and solutions, and you know, to go to you know, a, a conference like the Virginia Association of Superintendents and have, have people talking about this issue. It's interesting that I don't think a lot of people got into, many people don't enter teaching to become, um, you know, sort of social services agents, yet that's what the work is requiring of, of schools as, as things continue to develop. And uh, this week's interview is with my friend and mentor and longtime advisor to IEI. He, he was an advisor to IEI before IEI was IEI, when it was still Ed Innovation Summits. And um, this is uh, Mr. Hank Henry Grishman, but everyone calls him Hank. Um, his email address actually is hank at Jericho UFSD. Um, this is uh, Mr. Henry Grishman, superintendent of Jericho Union Free School District on Long Island. And, you know, Hank runs one of the school districts that's widely regarded as being one of the best public school systems in the country. Small district, 3,000 kids, uh, suburban, Nassau County, Long Island, New York. But what has been sort of sticking with me and really sort of haunting me since, you know, we recorded this interview last week, since, since we spoke for the podcast is how sort of serious Hank got when I asked him what's what's new about superintendenting? What, what's one of the, the things that has changed in your, in your 25 years leading a school district? And you know, he quite soberly told me that there, there is a great concern amongst the leadership team in the district and amongst his colleagues in other districts that kids don't feel safe when they come to school. And as a parent of a kid who's in a public school every day, that 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 haunts me, and you know, I guess our kids are growing up in a different era. I know that I I personally always felt more or less safe at school, um, you know, except for the odd uh, bullying moment here and there. But even that, I knew I knew the <laughs> the bully kids couldn't get us during school. They had to sort of chase us home after. Um, so you know, at school was always a safe place, and you always felt like. The place would have your back, and you know, just just hearing the story about you know how Hank and Jericho are are working through that issue, and hearing other superintendents talk about it is is um, 
don't know, it's, it's, it's instructive and uh, I, I applaud everybody who's trying to be proactive and dive in and, and deal with the issue. You know, the, we choose the themes for our IEI convenings many months in advance. In fact, we're, we're, uh, we just put out a survey to our superintendent members yesterday uh, asking for input on the theme for New Orleans and we're going to start working on the program for New Orleans now. Uh, New Orleans is in May. But our January Palm Springs event, our theme is safety and security. And we're already seeing uh, that a lot of that discussion is going to be around proactive safety and security and health and wellness and how those lead to a safe and secure school. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussions. I hope you enjoy the interview with Hank where he talks about what they're doing in Jericho. Um, and, you know, it's it strikes me as I was thinking about this episode and um, and all of these conversations around safety and security that we're having. Um, you know, when IEI chooses a theme, that the theme covers the sort of workshop content and discussions that the superintendents have. It has nothing to do with, you know, which, which partners can come or not come. Um, the partner piece of it is always sort of outside of the theme, although a lot of the partners do structure their, uh, their, their presentations around the, a connection to the theme. But so many of our partners, both new and, and long-time partners, have a connection to the theme of safe and secure schools, whether it's Navigate Prepared, who've been working with us for a long time and they do emergency preparedness and, and threat assessments in real time, Gaggle, who uh, has been a great partner to us, and Jeff uh, from Gaggle, CEO, founder of Gaggle, has has been talking about IEI with me since the idea was was born, and I've always appreciated their partnership as part of this. But you know, Gaggle's a leader in providing um, uh, preventative safety solutions to go and and try to find kids who are putting stuff out there on social media about that they might hurt themselves or others. Uh, and and Jeff always tells people that his job is to save lives, and uh, we're grateful to have them as a partner. Pulse and K-12 Insight have been coming for the last few go-rounds, and they provide um, the ability to look at school climate, do surveys of, of educators, and then provide analytics around how everyone's feeling within the school environment. And then we have new partners who are, at least, you know, who I've been speaking with who are giving, giving IEI some consideration, and that's Bridget, um, B-R-I-D-G hyphen I-T. Bridget is doing work around the country with uh, a curriculum around school safety and around bullying, bullying prevent, pre pre preventing bullying episodes, uh, bully prevention, uh, as well as an incident anonymous incident reporting tool and then analytics around that tool so that kids, teachers, staff can report uh, instances where, where there are unsafe conditions for kids. Um, and then Click Engage, a small company who I've gotten to know through uh, through my partnership with Camelback uh, Incubator for Founders of Color, Click Engage is putting a tool together, putting a tool into the marketplace that allows students to self-report their mood and general health and well-being. So that's that's just off the top of my head, five companies that are in this work and that are kind of in the IEI universe, as it were. There's several others too. I mean, it's it's. Um, it's, it's a growing space with lots of really good ideas, and I think if, if IEI is successful, we are going to help make sense of that, this, this growing niche in our marketplace, and help the entrepreneurs building solutions 
build build stuff that districts can really implement and um, and and help our superintendents sort of wrestle with the issues and get access to information about the um, the the best up and coming trends in the space. So, um, as a reminder, if uh, you know we're we're now in late October. Um, I was hoping to be watching a World Series game tonight for my beloved Yankees. I'm not, but I do wish the Astros and Washington Nationals all the best of luck. Um, especially the Nationals are going to need it. That Astros club is good. So, um, but that the the Yankee season ending reminds me that wow, it's almost the end of October, and you know we're in sort of crunch time here to get everything set for the January 20th through 23rd IEI gathering in Palm Springs. So, if you're a partner, if you're a company, an entrepreneur, or other K-12 solution or service provider, and you're interested in learning more about being a partner and working with our superintendents, you still have a few weeks. I expect we'll probably be closing out uh, partnership, sponsorship slots around Thanksgiving. So please do get in touch, at Doug at instituteforinnovation.com or at IEI underscore K-12 on Twitter, www.instituteforedinnovation.com. And uh, we've, we've met so many superintendents and great educational leaders over the last several weeks, including this week at all of our different uh, fall roadshow road stops. If you're one of the folks we've met, or if you're interested, generally speaking, in joining a, a think tank of kind of really um, thoughtful, innovative school superintendents, get in touch. They, we, we have spots available. We're trying to build out our membership into new states. So if you're interested in learning more about us, get in touch and let's talk and maybe maybe there would be a fit. So otherwise, thanks everybody for listening. Please tell your friends, your colleagues, your enemies, tell everybody about Talk Soups and CEOs. We're having fun doing it. Hope you're enjoying the episodes. Thanks for listening. And I'm really uh, pleased to be presenting this discussion with Mr. Hank Grishman of Jericho Union Free School District. Thanks, everyone. Good morning. Talk Soups and CEOs is on the road today. Another little road show, but this time just in my backyard here on Long Island. I am actually in the district office, the the very uh, well-appointed district office of the Jericho Union Free School District here in Jericho, New York, with uh, our great advisor and friend, Mr. Hank Grishman. Hank, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm really uh, glad that you're here and uh, glad that you're sharing my uh, humble abodes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, good to have you. Yeah, good, good to have you on the pod- podcast. Glad I could come see you. Uh, we often do these with people around the country on Zoom and stuff. So, um, so you know, uh, we're we were just sitting here talking about all the. I was sharing with Hank that I've been to all these different superintendent events around the country and how each one has kind of its its different feel. Um, and uh, you know, but I've the the place I've been working the longest. And doing these kinds of events the longest is here in New York. And in fact, I think the first event we did was called the Greenport Education Innovation Summit when I was living in Greenport. And that idea was kind of hatched right here in this very office when we were talking about different different things that, you know, I was asking questions about, you know, what kind of events do you go to? And um, I knew that I had a sense that there was room to do something different than the stuff we already 
would see each other at, and I sort of asked a couple of ideas, and Hank said, you know, you live in Greenport, right? Greenport's a nice place. And, uh, you know, Hank, Hank is, is one of those who was one of the really early, um, uh, the early, um, you know, people saying, you might want to try doing something. So I've always appreciated your, your ideas and your, your thoughtfulness and your willingness to kick ideas around. So thank you. Thank you. And again, I, you know, looking back to, to Greenport, I, I, again, uh, the couple of years that we did Greenport, I look at that as, as kind of some of the highlight, uh, highlight, uh, conferences that I've attended, uh, and uh, look, look forward to, uh, to going back to Greenport at some point <laughs> in, the, in the future. You know, I've actually had an idea <laughs> that we could do an IEI, like a, a sort of a different format, but do mm -hmm. it in a place like, like Greenport, you know, yeah. on the beach where people can bring, ki you know, people who still have kids at home can bring kids and spouses. It would be a, a great location uh, if the closest airport weren't uh, 19 hours away. Right. Well, that's why we, we can't do the normal IEI there yeah, yeah. because of the airport situation. But we could do like a, you know, long weekend. It'd be more of a, more of a real kind of like deep dive on some superintendent PD issue for not just our members, but for others, we could offer it to. This is, this is just an idea yeah, I've had. I think I think that would be great. <laughs> and, and and sign me up. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. That's the only way we can go back out to Greenport, unfortunately, because it is it is on the edge of the continent. But um, and for those who don't know, um, you know, this is uh, the Greenport is where my wife and I lived for about 12, 13 years, and uh, it was an amazing place um, to live. And we had we had three Greenport Ed Innovation Summits, and then that. But the first one in 2014 then launched what then became the Ed Innovation Summit series. The uh, the the um, acronym actually spelled out ICE, so we could have Geis, and then we had Georgia ICE, which was also Geis. Uh, we had um, Chice, the Chesapeake Ed Innovation Summit, NGICE, the New Jersey. We did these all over the place. We did a few in New York. Those were called Nice. Um, they, they, and they were nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did upstate New York, but so um, that that's part of the origins of of IEI, and, and Hank has been um, a thought partner on it from the beginning. So it's great to have you here. And um, so on the podcast, we talk about leadership. We talk about um, sort of you know we, we we always like to start off with sort of your story, how you came to be the superintendent of schools of Jericho Union Free School District, and you know going back to your teaching days and just sort of how what what made you think that you wanted to go and and be a, a be a be a principal be a leader and then eventually soup I, I think uh, from my earliest days um, in teaching and uh, I spent two years teaching in elementary and two years teaching secondary math uh, I, I think one of the things that I realized uh, is that I could impact and I and I love the relationship I had with kids but I felt that I could have greater impact uh, in a leadership position um, leaving the classroom um, you know, first looking toward the principalship um, as as uh, the next logical step uh, in impacting kids in, in a in a greater, more meaningful way. Um, there is a piece that goes along with that of, of missing, you know, direct contact with you know twenty four kids, you know, times five periods a day. But again, I think that you know the greater impact in in providing a vision. Um, uh, for a, a school, uh, was an elementary school principal and then a middle school principal, um, and again looked at, at those roles where uh, it, it wasn't just um, it wasn't just academic leadership. It really was was setting a culture and a tone for the buildings that uh, that I was fortunate enough to work in. Did anybody ever tell you, you know, you could be you, you could you could go somewhere, kid? Did it, did you have a 
Do you have a boss or a mentor who said, you know, you might be good at this leadership yeah. stuff? There, there, I think there were, you know, there were several people uh, uh, in my, in my uh, in my life, and and I'll actually I'll start with. Um, the, the person who first got me into the business, uh, I have a brother-in-law and, and many, many friends and relatives, primarily relatives, who were teachers and administrators. Um, but a brother-in-law who um, was a, an elementary school principal for uh, what feels like a hundred years, and he early on said, you know, your your career and your future really lies in working with kids. Mm -hmm. uh, he encouraged me to become a teacher. He encouraged me to become a principal. Um, and, and again, we spent much of our time talking about what it is um, uh, to be an educator, um, and a lot of good advice and a lot of encouragement through through my my career path. But I, one of the parts uh, that that I love to talk about in in uh, uh, in in, uh, in thoughts that he shared with me is when when I contemplated leaving the principalship for central office and for the superintendency. Uh, I remember him saying to me, "This is this could be the biggest mistake you'll ever make in your life, because being in a building where where you still are directly in touch with kids um, is the job that that he had held his whole life and his whole career." He said, "You're going to miss that job, uh, and you're going to regret the day that you you left the building principalship." Uh, so anyhow, he was he was one mentor, but you know along the way, uh, you know a principal with whom I worked, um, a, an advisor at NYU. Um, who um, over the years followed my career and encouraged me to uh, um, basically accelerate um, the, the, the jobs that I held and, and the leadership positions that I took. Yeah. I'm curious, did you, well, first of all, so how do you, I'm sure you miss the kids. Um, that's a real thing. Every administrator talks about it. And there are some people who um, who stay as principals because they just, that that's just where they feel they belong. But how do you, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that? How do you make sure to get, get well, out I, to I, Again, kids? I think one of the things that I'm blessed with, I'm in a school district that's, uh, you know, 3,100 kids. My office is uh, set in, a, in, in both a middle school, high school complex. So there are 2,000 kids right outside my door. Um, and so, kids here know you, right? They see yeah, you walking around like, hey, Mr. Grishman, how oh, you doing? There's, uh, there, definitely, uh, there definitely is a connection that I have to kids from, again, the size of the district, um, getting to know the kids in the elementary school. And, again, we have three elementary schools uh, and kids make one transition in Jericho. They go from elementary school to the middle school, high school complex. Um, so there, there is, a, you know, a sense of family where, where kids know the adults that are around. Uh, one of one of the side notes I think Doug that I've shared with you is that uh, I have three grandchildren who attend the Jericho schools, right? Um, and all of their friends um, refer to me as Poppy. So yeah. as I as I walk down the halls of <laughs> elementary school or middle school or high school, uh, there are 10, 10 kids that yell out, "Hey, hey, Poppy, how's it going?" That's uh, great. Yeah. So that's a, another connection that uh, that obviously feels really good. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so, did you ever? I'm just curious because you you've been in public education for a couple of years. Fifty-two, fifty-three years. There you go. Um, a few years. Did was there ever a moment where you considered taking a break from public education or going private sector? Is that ever a thought you had? Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever. Never, not ever, once. Ever. You never thought like because I mean, you know, for those of you not familiar with with New York and Long Island, but you know, we're about I don't know as the crow flies thirty miles from Wall Street right, right. now. Uh, you can get on a train and be at Penn Station in about half hour. Um, you know, you never considered you know I'm going to go do a big city job or anything. No. I just uh, again, I think from 
from my earliest days of working with kids, uh, I knew that's where I belonged and that's where I was going to spend the rest of my life. Yeah, good. Well, here you are. And, and, and you, here I am. <laughs> and you are in the middle of a contract right now, so you're going to be here for at least another few years. I right? actually just signed a new uh, contract that extends me through July of 2023. Um, awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know that they love having you here, yeah. so it's a... a a good marriage. It's a, it's a good marriage. It's a special place. Uh, yeah. As I am, I'm entering my 25th year in Jericho as superintendent, and uh, look forward to the next three and a half years. Yeah, right. <laughs> good for you. Um, it's like who's going to retire first, you or Howard Stern? <laughs> Both at the top of your game. Um, so uh, that's great. So so talk about just what's going on in. I think you know. Just knowing you and talking, I, I know that you 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 work passionately, and there are things that that keep you up at night about running the school system. But I think to some, it probably looks from the outside like everything's hunky dory. Jericho gets the top ranking in whatever name the ranking of public schools, whether it's state or national. You guys are at the top of the list, so there are probably some who think that oh, it's just you know put your feet up and let the place I can't run. I tell you how many people say you have the best job in the world <laughs> and the easiest job in the world. Um, right. And obviously, the you know the grass always looks uh, looks far greener than, than right. the reality. Yeah. What What are you guys worried about right now? What I are mean, you guys working on? Let me let me say you know that the look the under underpinning is that it is an incredible place. Uh, and I am blessed that uh, that I work in a community that strongly endorses and supports public education, uh, and I work with a professional and support staff uh, that really don't view their work here as punching a clock and coming to work. Uh, so you know, let me let me kind of start the conversation with: it is an unusual place um, that when you walk around here, um, people have a commitment to to our our school community, to our kids. Uh, that that is uh, something that's different than I've seen in any other place that I've worked. Um, talk about challenges. Um, the, the, the world we live in today is um, is a challenging one. Um, you know, while we think uh, in Jericho that the only concern is maintaining uh, the high uh, academic um, standards and, and outcomes uh, that we've uh, that our reputation has grown on. Um, I am far more concerned about um, uh, the world that, that our kids are surrounded by, mm -hmm. um, the, the level of stress and anxiety that kids are feeling, uh, the amount of services that, that we're providing for kids, uh, the numbers of kids that, we're, um, that are uh, school phobic, uh, that are having issues coming to school, dealing with the stress and strains of school. Um, social media? Social media definitely has played a, a major role. Uh, in, I think, increasing the, the stress and anxiety. Um, there, there's a whole level of, you know, community expectation that every kid is going to graduate first in their class and every kid is going to go to Harvard. Uh, and that, that puts pressures on kids um, that's immeasurable. And then alongside of that, you know, add, add social media, um, add some of the conditions of the world. You know, you talk to kids today, um, and again, I, I think a new dynamic where kids talk about um, you know, is, is the world that I live in safe? Um, is it safe in terms of, of war? Is it safe in terms of, um, you know, our proximity to New York City? Uh, is it safe in terms of, uh, is school, is the Jericho School District a safe place for me to come every day? Um, the, all, all of this appears to be increasing and increasing concerns on our kids uh, and, our, and our families and our staff members as well. So managing this and, and what, what, how does the school district respond to that is right now what, what's keeping us all up at night.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, the world has has changed, and you know, regardless of how well funded a district is, or you know, it, uh, where where you're situated, rural, suburban, urban, um, this is it's a it's a universal challenge. What's going to be interesting because our our topic in Palm Springs is safety and security. What's going to be interesting about that discussion, and for those not familiar, if you haven't been to IEI. A lot of our our <clears throat> PD workshops and program is just our superintendents talking to each other. That's sort of the thing that that Hank and others who who helped us set this up. With one of the main things they told us is that they go to great events, whether it's the New York State Council or or you know their own state event or AAS. They go to these great events where they they get great speakers and great content that they can kind of absorb and interact with. Um, they wanted our event to be one where they could do a lot of talking to each other. And so we're going to hear from districts around the country in, in our membership group how they're handling the safety and security issue. And I think the, you're gonna, we're going to find stuff all over the, the spectrum. There are going to be people, a lot of districts having discussions about should, should teachers and other staff be armed. And then you got other districts that are talking about how aggressive can we be on the mental health front. And, um, you know, it's, this is one of the few issues, though, that is universally uh, keeping superintendents up, no matter what kind of district you're from. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, right on. And, and, and again, it's, it's, um, it's keeping school administrators up at night. But, it, I mean, again, if you were to poll our community um, and, our, and, our, and our staff in terms of what, right now, what's their concern, it is, it, it's related to safety, security, and mental health. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, it, mental health is such an individual thing. Every, every person has a different path to it. And, um, you know, I, I know that on the industry side, you know, dealing with our partners and the other, uh, you know, entrepreneurs I talk to in my travels, everybody's either there's, first of all, there's a, there's a whole slew of new solutions around mental health and trying to identify each individual kid's sort of mental health status at any given moment. And then you have solutions that are trying to, to educate families or educate teachers on how to be more kind of uh, proactive on mental health issues. And, um, and then you have the whole kind of like slew of hardware and other kinds of tools, solutions, bulletproof, whatever thing around the security issues. Um, there's a whole. It's interesting. It's a whole industry sp- sprouting up and, on this. And again, the three the three uh, prongs that you bring up are, I mean, literally have all been front and center in discussions. Uh, you know, as you walked in today, uh, we were just again having a discussion with uh, with teacher leadership uh, regarding expanding um, our um, advisory program uh, in a way to to improve increase connected connectedness uh, with our student body. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically really zeroing in in kids in grades 6 to 12. Um, how can we be more connected to our kids uh, in, in a way to provide them um, with, with greater level of support? <clears throat> so it's interesting. And you, you mentioned at the top of this that you, you feel that there are kids who are feeling more in crisis, more or less, about coming, or there's, they feel less safe when they come to school. Um, the advisory concept and I don't know if that's is that something you guys have been doing here for a while we we, we put our toe in the water over the years uh, we're looking really at, at formalizing something um, in the coming year we're, we're working toward that yeah where, where there will be a, an advisory um, program grade 6 to 12 and kind of with a unified unified focus yeah um, that will be 
um, put in place as a pilot for us to adjust and play with in the coming years. So what's interesting about that is that I think this this is a natural <clears throat> excuse me a natural response to um, a feeling of of um, vulnerability or a feeling of, of sort of crisis around safety. But there have been schools, and it's mostly kind of urban schools, schools in poor communities that have been doing advisory for a long time. I, I was know? a middle, middle school principal in, in the late 70s, yeah. um, actually mid-70s, and I had an advisory in the middle school. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think what, what, at least from my, my perspective, what's happened is, you know, as you came from the 70s to the 80s and the 90s, the, the, uh, the increased pressure on student achievement became so great that we can't give up 40 minutes a week right. or 20 minutes every morning. Uh, we, we need that time in ELA and math and science. Right. Right. Um, and I, I think many of the advisories that came through as middle schools were were um, were coming onto the scene and maturing, um, the, the, the number of minutes that were used in advisory type programs yeah. by and large went away uh, in favor of greater time on academics. Right. And it's interesting how the the political winds tend to drive all this. There's there's absolutely no you know regardless of what one thinks about what's going on in D.C. today, there's very little discussion about K twelve policy, um, uh, except around the the safety security. This is the big thing they're talking about, and elected or people running for office are talking about. And so now we're sort of it's not it's not that we don't care about student achievement anymore. We're just there's. I'm seeing a move away from like all of the testing and accountability stuff. We're still going to assess, but it's not this sort of frenetic. We have to assess, assess, there's, assess. There's no question that I think the the national and state pendulum is swinging back toward a a, a more realistic center point. Yeah. However, that still in in Jericho and in many school districts does not change the community expectation mm-hmm. that our kids need to be achieving at the highest possible levels and getting into the right. to the best uh, colleges and universities. Right. No, yeah, it's it's but I'm definitely sensing a change and I don't know if you ever go on uh, if you do you ever go on Twitter like read stuff on Twitter? Yes, I do. Yeah. So check out the I think it's hashtag #curriculum chat. There's a whole group of people there's a, there are these robust curriculum discussions happening on Twitter. And I got involved in one the other day because I'm curious about it from IEI's perspective because I'd like because it there it's it's a, a network nationally of teachers um, who are working together, developing curriculum and using open source curricula that they believe are more student centered, that are more in, that are engaging more students in authentic work, um, and not no longer relying on sort of the publishing companies to provide all the curriculum. And it's fascinating. And, you know, I, one of the things I said to this group in my tweets was just, um, you know, this is great. Have you, you know? Do, do you know anything about whether this will improve outcomes? And people said, well, we just sort of assume it will, um, and it's too early, but this stuff is obviously good for kids. And I said, then, you know, have you guys engaged with any superintendents on this? Because I would be interested for our group to engage with you. And there was interest in having that discussion, and we may make that a session for May. I think that it would be a, an excellent session. I, I, you know, again, if I look look at Jericho, uh, and we, 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 we spend a lot of time, energy, and money on professional development, um, an inordinate amount uh, compared to the size budget we have, mm-hmm. uh, and and major focus for at least ten years has really been on shifting, uh, shifting the, the focus in a classroom from teacher directed instruction, yeah. from stand and deliver, uh, in, into um, 
student activity based, uh, student centered, um, basically, uh, you know, in individually um, planning lessons around individual kids. Um, and, and again, major focus of our, of our teacher professional development has been zeroed in on yeah. that type of focus. And not necessarily using tech, but if tech is a way to do it, that's good, yeah, right? I think, I think to a large extent we, we, have, we have capitalized on using tech uh, to support uh, our movement toward student-centered instruction. Do you get pushback on screen time from families? Yes. I mean, that, yeah. the, the concern, well, frankly, the concern we get from families is, you know, my kid comes home and is on screen, um, and what percentage of that screen time is, is schoolwork <coughs> screen time versus social media screen right, time. Right. Um, but we hear the stories all the time where, yeah, I can see that, you know, the computer is on or the iPad is on or the Chromebook is on in my kid's bedroom till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what, folks? Mom yeah. and Dad, monitor monitor what's on that screen. Yeah, mine. Thankfully, mine's only five. We're not at that at that moment. But, but yet, guess but. what? You're you're closer than <coughs> closer than. That's yeah. right. And yeah. she's already kind of asking about it. And yeah. um, you know, yeah. it's funny. Does she have her own iPhone yet? No. Yeah. We give her like a, a placebo phone that's like a flip phone. That, yeah. But yeah. The, the, the negotiations. <laughs> but she knows about it. Yeah, and the negotiations will start within the next two they or three years. They absolutely will. Yeah. They absolutely. We need to like collude as parents yeah. to keep them. Um, it's funny. So, you know, I think I think I've shared with you that, you know, my wife Mary and I met uh, at the Harvard Grad School of Education studying to be teachers. And it's as we're talking about this, I at the time, it, you know, I learned more in my year master's program about advisory than I learned about, you know, the methods for teaching social studies. Like they were just really hands off on that stuff. And a lot of us felt ill prepared because we were thrown into this. That was that was the early 2000s, late 90s when it, you know, the Nation at Risk report was right, right. the thing that we all read and, you know, got beaten into our head. We got to, like, test, 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 and we have to assess. And, you know, uh, we went into that climate. All the states were putting out their new assessment systems. Um, and, you know, I knew how to run a really great advisory. <laughs> and now here we are full circle. It's almost like if I'd done this 20 years later, yeah. um, you know, it would be, it'd be a different ballgame. There's no question that, again, advisory is not something new. However, yeah. it is it is a conversation that's taking place. It's either been implemented or in the process of being implemented in many, many school districts. I, and again, I think, you know, parallel to that is look at um, at pupil personnel staffing in school districts today as compared to 10 years ago. Yeah. How many guidance counselors are in your you know, in your each of your uh, your middle school, high school, how many social workers are in your elementary school, middle school, high school? Yeah. How many school psychologists are, are in like positions? And there's no question. Uh, I think the, the the staffing numbers, you know, in many cases, I think if I look locally, probably have doubled in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, let's shift gears a little bit as we uh, head toward the home stretch here. I wanna I wanna ask you, you know, I I get a lot of I don't want to say pushback, but you know, I'm out and about. I'm talking to. I talk to a lot of CEOs and a lot of VPs of companies, ed tech or other K-12 companies that are in growth mode and they're trying to figure out how to best. You know, that they the thing that a lot of them don't know how to do is to crack the code of working with school districts. And um, I think some get filled with ideas that, you know, well, I only want to like I'm only I'm targeting <clears throat> the top 500 districts in the country in terms of student enrollment size because, you know, it's not worth it working with the little districts and. You know, and they're so hard to work with, and blah blah blah. And that's an idea that gets discussed at some national ed tech events, and I, I don't know where it comes from because it's never been my experience. Um, but uh, you know, I do this; I work with school districts for a living. So, um, 
but if if for the for the ed tech entrepreneurs or just k-12 entrepreneurs out there listening you know make the help me make the case for why it's absolutely worth your time to go and figure out what's happening in a district like jericho in a suburban district with three to five thousand kids what why is this going to be important to their development of their organization well, again I, I think you know, some advice that, that I would share is that you know um, somebody who is you know who has a, um, a, a product needs to look at Jericho and say does my product fit the Jericho school community so you know um, you know within the last couple of days uh, I've had uh, you know uh, people reach out uh, matter of fact, the most recent one was on student attendance improvement. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? If you look at our demographics and you look at our, you know, <laughs> at our website, right. you know, our, our average daily attendance is like ninety-seven percent. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, don't, always, don't, always know know who you're talking to before you send that email. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, if, if, you know, if we're you know looking at you know Jericho, and, and if you have some familiarity of our district, you know that we're going to bite on. Virtual reality. We're gonna. Mm -hmm. We're there. There are certain, based upon our, uh, our, our, um, our program and our and our strengths and our reported strengths and achievements. There, there are some areas that are gonna. When we, we see an email or receive a phone call, we're gonna we're gonna um, respond to positively. Yeah. And there are others that we're not. So, again, I think telling vendors to do some research on the districts they're reaching out to. Absolutely. Uh, you also mentioned in terms of you know what's the value of. Of being, you know, reaching out to a, you know, a 300, 500, 700 kid school district. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I think my advice there is, you know, if you have a product that is going to um, enhance what's going on in a small school district, that that's a that's a, a check plus in in future marketing. Yeah, now, we came into this district with 500, maybe you know, small district with 500 kids. However, yeah, uh, the, the 500 the, is really small. Though we yeah. do have that in New York, but yeah, I mean, but, but again, in Nassau County here, I mean, everybody's got like 3,000, 5,000. Yeah. you know, there's but, some the, but there's, uh, there's some, you know, there's some K6 districts that are, yeah, you know, 12, right. 1,200, 1,700, 1,800. But they're part I, of a feeding pattern. Yeah, they're part of a feeding pattern. Right. But there's there's a value in in a product having success in a district. And then word of mouth from that superintendent in terms of right. here's here's a product that I piloted for six months and I'm I'm moving full steam ahead next year. Yeah, uh, people are going to listen to the, the superintendent who says, well, th th talk to me a little bit about what that product is doing yeah. for you know, literacy in your primary grades. People don't believe me when I tell them that word of mouth is the most you know powerful tool you can have in growing your business. There's, I mean, there's no question if if yeah. you if you went through and you actually dissected. Um, every every program that was in place in in this district, yeah, I would tell you that probably the vast majority came through word of mouth. Yes, uh, you know the again, vast. I just want to highlight that yeah, for I the had, listeners out there, the vast majority came through word of mouth, and that's basically a process of building relationships over many months and years, and putting in the time and and earning earning the trust of the leaders of the district. That correct, it correct. takes time. Correct, and you, you know the, the science supervisors meet you know one, once a month. Uh, and what's discussed, you know, what, what one science supervisor brings into that group of 40 science supervisors from Nassau County has weight when they come back home yeah. and say, here's something we need to pilot, here's something we need to look at. Yeah. And again, that's, that's times, you know, 10, 10 curriculum people, add on to that an assistant superintendent for curriculum, add on to that a superintendent. Yeah. The K-12 industry is not a quick hit industry. If you're in this... And most of the entrepreneurs I know are just passionate. A lot of them come out of the classroom. 
Um, Correct. You can't be in this for the for the for the quick win. Uh, and you really, I always tell people, the majority of America's kids go to school in districts that have you know three to seven thousand kids. That's where most of us, that's where most of the people funding ed tech companies send their kids. It's where most people working at the companies send their kids. That's you know that that's the reality of it. And if you can succeed in in a Jericho uh, or in a similar size district, uh, district, then you can succeed anywhere. And that's 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 how to build your business. And fully, fully, fully agree. Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting how some people, you know, because in, in IEI, our districts tend to skew smaller than some of the other organizations. Uh, but there's always sort of geographic proximity. You know, whether it's that we have a Long Island cluster, we have a, you know, our smallest districts are probably our our upstate New York districts, but they all work together and they're looking to share ideas. And so for um, anybody out there who's, who's, you know, interested in building relationships and going through that process and, and, um, you know, meeting people who lead districts in America where most of America's kids go, um, that's, that's what one of the things that IEI provides. So the last segment on Talk Soups and CEOs, always we talk about, um, how I'm just always shamed slash impressed that every time we go to a conference or something, all you superintendents are in the hotel gym super early, getting after it. Um, and I've honestly, I've taken this year to try to like get my own morning routine better. And it's been a really good year so far. And I'm always interested in people who lead, uh, lead major complex organizations, how they set up their morning routine. And so everybody else has, has shared and now it's your turn. So what is a, what does a morning for Hank look like? How do you get ready for the day? Um, some, you know, spring, spring, summer routine is different than winter routine. Winter routine is uh, I'm at the gym between 5:30 and 5:45 in the morning, six days a week. Uh, work out for again, do cardio, primarily cardio, um, and some machines for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Um, in the when the weather is nice, uh, walk jogging a lot less now than I used to or biking uh, from this for example this morning I was out of my house at six um, I walked four miles from six to a little after uh, seven um, nice and again I try to do that uh, minimally you know six days a week um, and again I find that that's a way that I need to start my day um, you know and, I, and I've tried different you know I've tried over the years I've tried to do well you know I could do it five o'clock uh, between you know between afternoon meeting and evening meeting, uh, but again it was, it, it was just it was too easy for the five o'clock meeting or for the the break at five o'clock to spread to six o'clock, and it not happening. So yeah. for me, in order for it to be a routine, uh, you know, an everyday routine that I that I stick to, it's 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 an early morning routine. Um, and it, it has worked for many, many years, has worked really well for me. Uh, again, physically, uh, and I do, do also believe in terms of uh, emotionally as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, um, there's a big push. Are you a meditation guy? A lot of people have been yeah. talking to me about meditating. I, I, I've been talking about it a lot also. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I, I, did try, I gave it a real go last spring. I tried every day for, you know, Five minutes and then ten minutes. I just find I sit there and think about work. Yeah, I, and, and again, I, I I am I am not a sit still kind of guy. I'm right. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely uh, attention deficit. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 again, I, I talk about it a lot. And, and yeah. guess what? I'm I, I'm sure I will try it tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think about it, and that I guess that's good enough. But I think the most the closest I get to any kind of meditative whatever 
is yeah doing a long bike ride or yeah. or cardio and yeah that, that, again that that hour in the morning is uh, is really prime time for yeah again not just you know the, the the physical activity but also there's there is a mental component to that mental parallel yeah you were one of the first people by the way speaking of of uh, you you self-identify as ADD superintendent it was Hank was one of the first people who said to me, at IEI, let's kind of make the meeting shorter. And now we do these one-on-ones, which, honestly, everyone loves. And a lot of superintendents yeah. tell me this was not – I never thought this would be the case. A lot of them say they, they find that to be among the best professional development experiences. Uh, absolutely. Because they get a quick – you know, it's because our folks, like, they, they spend all this time thinking about this one problem and this one solution – and so then to spend 20 minutes talking about that with them, they learn. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, you're partially oh, responsible I, and for I, and that. And again, I, I think that's, that's one of the highlights at IEI. Yeah. It, it's, it's understanding that, very frankly, many of my friends and colleagues are also attention deficit. You know, share, share, <laughs> share with me in less than 20 minutes yeah. uh, the, the meat of, of, uh, yeah. of, of what we're discussing, and, and that works fine. Yeah. Hit 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, and, uh, and I'm downhill from that point on. Yeah. So I also have uh, some self-diagnosed, although my wife has actually diagnosed my ADD. So I couldn't help but looking around the room, and I noticed there's this picture of you sporting a really fantastic mustache. And I'm wondering, we have three months till Palm Springs. Could you potentially grow it back for, I, for the I, conference? I definitely will. One of the things that we started doing in the district several years ago is No, sh- no Shave November. Oh, yeah, November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we have uh, all, again, many, many of the... Uh, uh, those who can grow a beard uh, on staff uh, do no shave starting November 1st. And oh, wow. actually last year was really kind of uh, cool. We brought in uh, uh, a group of, of students from the cosmetology program at Nassobosis. Uh-huh. And, you know, on uh, on December 1st, we did a, you know, a, a buzz off, shave off. Uh, That's cool. For, for all the beards and mustaches. But the, but the beard was... Uh, was you guys raise money, right? I mean, it's yeah, a, and yeah. we, you know, money, you know, fundraiser, yeah. a charity fundraiser. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, the, the beard was uh, was grayer than I really like seeing. So uh. <laughs> Mine's super gray, too, yeah. Um, and my, my wife did tell me that if I ever grew a mustache, she would divorce me. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep her and <laughs> well, lose again, the you, you always know you have a mustache in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Hey, thanks for being on. Thanks for taking time. I know it's, it's a busy day here on a Friday, but uh, we appreciate you being on with us. And everybody out there, you know how to find the podcast. Uh, Anchor on Spotify, on Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, please do find us. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues if you like what we're doing. Subscribe. And, of course, you can always find us at www.instituteforedinnovation.com. You can learn about our upcoming Superintendent Summit in Palm Springs. And you can find us on Twitter at IEI underscore K12. And you can find me, including some awesome pictures of uh, the bike, I, of the beach I biked to the other day during Nor'easter, at Doug Roberts underscore IEI. Thank you, Hank. Thanks for being here. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The day paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. The day paradise. Put up a parking lot I said, don't it always seem to go 
that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs>